0: And I think sometimes when churches are planted, although good works happening in these different contexts and whatnot, um, sometimes areas like Congress Heights are overlooked Mm. and neglected. Mm. Um, And for us, you know, we saw a need, Mm. you know, a great need for the gospel. And so the Great Commission compelling us, us just obeying our Lord uh, to go and Mm. make disciples in Congress Heights. But then also, um, you know, a statistic, you know, that was put out from 2011 to 2017, right, where... There were churches that were planted all throughout the Baltimore, you know, DMV area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over like 220 of them, mm-hmm. but only three mm-hmm. were planted in, in areas like Congress Heights like, so or Anacostia, right? And, and for us, we were just burdened by that. Like, there's a huge need.
1: Welcome to another episode of Around the Block with Pastor Thabiti Anyabwile, but you can call me Pastor T. Someone once said the only people who like change are babies with dirty diapers. That might not even be an exaggeration. Babies cry to be changed, but most people don't like change much at all. Yet, if a church plant or church revitalization produces anything, it produces change. Church planting and church revitalization are difficult. Doesn't matter what the transition is, that transition or change requires us to become in some ways different people, or at least to show up in different ways. Today, I'm sitting with my brother, Pastor Joshua Rolak. Josh has served in both parachurch ministry with the YMCA and church ministry in North Carolina and the Northern Virginia area. In 2021, he led a small team of believers from Anacostia River Church, where I pastor, to plant a new work in the Congress Heights neighborhood of Southeast DC. He's made the transition from a Southern city like Raleigh, North Carolina, to a larger Mid-Atlantic region like the DMV. He's also made the transition from predominantly white church contexts to a nearly entirely African-American community. So I thought he'd be good to talk to about transitions, especially from predominantly white institutions to predominantly black contexts. And we hope this discussion would help other aspiring church leaders and team members to think about what it takes to cross these worlds for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. So pull up a chair, join the conversation uh, as we talk together with Pastor Josh Rolak. Josh, man, thanks for being on the podcast with us, man. Uh, a joy to talk with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So tell us what neighborhood you're in in D.C.
0: Yeah, so I am in Congress Heights, D.C. Okay. So it's one of the uh, neighborhoods in southeast Washington, D.C. Okay.
1: And you've been there how long now?
0: We are coming up on a year okay. uh, in April. All right. So we launched last April in the pandemic. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so brand new to the spot. huh? Yeah. So what's Congress Heights like? Give us a sense of the people, the place, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, Congress Heights is, so it's a predominantly black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and 94%? Yeah, 90, black, yeah, 93, 94%. And, you know, the neighborhood is is similar to to Anacostia or any, you know, inner city neighborhood um, mm-hmm. across the world. Um, with, I like to frame it with uh, challenges and celebrations. Okay. So there are challenges, you know, surrounding gun violence and poverty and drug, you know, activity and things along those lines, but then also celebrations in a sense of, yeah, I mean, there are fathers, you know, in the community taking care of their kids and, you know, whole families together and different things along those lines. And then also, um, the Lord is at work. You know, there are people there mm-hmm. you know, saved by His grace you who know, are seeking to be on mission. So,
1: Amen. Well, part of what I want to talk to you about is how you got to be in this neighborhood because you, you're not born in Congress Heights, didn't grow up there. Uh, some of your previous neighborhoods have some things in common, right? Sure. sure. Um, but you're coming more immediately out of predominantly white evangelical church spaces. Yeah, yeah. Into now a predominantly black neighborhood, uh, a predominantly African-American congregation thus far. Mm. Um, and that transition is one that a lot of guys, I think, aspire to or hope to make. Or a lot of folks have been frustrated by. They've left that context, gone to predominantly white seminaries or institutions and things of that sort, and have felt themselves kind of de-skilled for coming back into the neighborhood. right? So I want to talk about that transition a bit and and hope that it serves not just pastors, but others who are looking to maybe go out on church planting teams or things of that sort. right? So um, you, you don't have to name a church or anything of that sort, but tell us where you were prior to Congress Heights Community Church.
0: Yeah, so I was at a church, um, a church in Virginia, mm-hmm. northern Virginia, um, who has multiple campuses around uh, the city. And so we were in the
1: Wharf, and so I served there for a season. Okay, so the Wharf is in southwest D.C., so yeah. it's the quadrant just opposite us, and is an area of the city that has already been pretty much gentrified and, and redeveloped. Um in that sense, right? So, economically now, if you, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, this wasn't the case. Yeah. Um. But economically now, is the sort of opposite end of the spectrum for where you are currently.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. And even just briefly, so the wharf is like the tale of two cities, right? Yeah. You got one side that... Like you said, it's gentrified and a mm-hmm. lot of development. But then across the street, and so we were focused on both, right? We were, you know, trying to reach folks with the gospel on the more gentrified side, but then mm-hmm. also if you go across the street, pockets of poverty yeah. and need. And so mm-hmm. there's a, you know, middle school there, Jefferson Middle School, where we had partnered there and sought to, yeah, be on mission there and love our neighbors well. And so you kind of got the tale of two cities mm-hmm. um, in, in that context. But like you said, yeah. So transitioning from out of, you know, that context, that space into now a more predominantly black neighborhood and seeking to uh, make disciples, you know, mm-hmm. in our context. I think a couple of things that I would say on that in transitioning out of it is one, you know, for me as a as a young black man, um, you know, desiring to see other young black men and women um, who don't know the Lord, know the Lord, mm-hmm. and trust the Lord. So I've always had a heart from it, uh, for it. Um, and seeking to, you know, proclaim the the good news um, so that others might come to know him. So I always had a heart for it. always had a heart for, you know, doing inner city ministry work, had some experience with that in North Carolina. But as we transitioned from, you know, the church in in Nova to where we are now, I think a couple of things that really... uh, Yeah, stirred us or kind of burdened us to to transition is one. Uh, I think about our Lord in the Great Commission, right? Uh, I think about Jesus when, you know, he calls all disciples to go make disciples. I think uh, he had the inner city in mind. Mm. And I think sometimes when churches are planted, although good works happening in these different contexts and whatnot, um, sometimes areas like Congress Heights are overlooked Mm. and neglected, Mm. Um, And for us, you know, we saw a need, Mm. you know, a great need for the gospel. And so the Great Commission compelling us, us just obeying our Lord uh, to go Mm. and make disciples in Congress Heights. But then also, um, you know, a statistic, you know, that was put out from 2011 to 2017, right? Where there were churches that were planted all throughout the Baltimore, you know, DMV area. Mm -hmm. Um, I think over like 220 of them, Mm -hmm. but only three were planted in, in areas like Congress Heights like, so or Anacostia, right? And and for us, we were just burdened by that. Like, there's a huge need yeah. where there's neglect and overlook. We wanted to, yeah, obey the Lord and go.
1: Amen, amen, amen. So what has been difficult about sort of leaving a predominantly white megachurch, really, affluent mega church? To now planting, you know, from scratch, parachuting in, basically into Congress Heights. Um, what what's been difficult about that transition?
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things that that have been difficult, um, more so, so from transitioning from out of this space is really, you know, for me, you know, love hip hop, all these different things, but you know, kind of being in those particular spaces. Not saying all, if you will, or but you do kind of feel like you got to conform. Mm-hmm. to um, a culture, mm-hmm. right? And I think kind of coming out of that, um, kind of coming like that, that still being something that, you know, I was in and involved, mm-hmm. and I guess in some ways reconnecting, if you will, or mm-hmm. that kind of um, falling off, if you will, as as, as it relates to um, those types of thinking or, you know, different ways about doing church planting that may not fit our context, Mm -hmm. but that might fit more of a suburban, you know, uh, white, you know, large context in that regards. And so I think for us, what the Lord did is just, yeah, helped us. We praise God for that time and the Lord used it. But I think at the same time for us, you know, relearning some things, uh, shifting some things, making sure that for us, um, we are, yeah. Seeking to, um, yeah, do what the Lord is calling us to do in our new context, mm-hmm. um, and which is predominantly black. And so.
1: Yeah. How would you describe, I, I'm, I'm sort of pulling on what you're talking about there. How would you describe your initial fit upon entry into Congress Heights? Do you feel like you're, well, yeah, how would you describe it?
0: Yeah, I think initially, I mean, yeah, initially there's, there's fit you know Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's um i guess you know we you know as as far as like being a black family and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of ways that we connect in that regards different you know same likes or certain things along those lines but then at the same time uh for us since you know like you were mentioning like we're not from the area Mm -hmm. right and so for us we have just been taking on a learner's posture Mm-hmm. You know, and we communicate that. You know, mm-hmm. when we're out on the block sharing the gospel, or just in general, communicating like, man, like we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not from the area, mm-hmm. and folks will let you know real quick too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, being from North Carolina, and just down the third, but yeah. So I think for us, you know, we've just been learning mm-hmm. and and growing with the community in that way, and and in humility. You know what I'm saying, like seeking to learn from our neighbors mm-hmm. and understand the community, you know, what's the what's the heartbeat of the community, you know, it's different from North Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. and so just anyway, just just things along those lines.
1: Yeah. Amen. Now you're also you're playing this church, Congress Heights Community Church, coming up on a year in April. Yeah. Um, so your entire life as a church has been in pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. A word we weren't using two years ago. Uh exactly. right. So your entire Uh, experience at leading this work, entering the community um, is during a time where actually you couldn't shake hands. Yeah. Right. You couldn't couldn't dap folks up. Right. Um, Where social distancing had become part of our vocabulary. Um, Talk with us about your experience planting during a pandemic. Um, What have you learned in that process, both about planting a church, how to plant a church, about the nature of the church itself? What have you learned about yourself? Yeah, no, that's a good question.
0: I would say, you know, my off the cuff answer one would be, yeah, it's been hard, you know, planting in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, and the pandemic in and of itself, Mm -hmm. um, has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of things like you all have experienced, every church in in the world has experienced, but just, you know, the fear, you know, that the pandemic brought and kind of the uncertainty, the confusion, um, you know, re, like relationships, not being able to do relationships, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like how we once were before the pandemic. And so we've experienced those type of challenges like you were mentioning. Um, and yeah, I've learned a lot. I think, I think, yeah, what the Lord did in the pandemic um, is he caused all of us to stop, mm-hmm. right? Caused all of us to stop and, and you know, really... Uh, for me and for my family, I think it's, it's you know, been a, a season of growing closer to the Lord in the midst of, you know, church planting um, and the busyness of church planting, but also in light of, you know, the pandemic causing like a little pause. Mm-hmm. I think things would have looked a lot different had it not been a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the busyness and just everything. We were busy, but it just looked different, mm-hmm. you know, with restrictions. And so the Lord has taught, taught me a lot, man, patience you know, patience, um, trust, you know, trusting in Him um, to do only what He can do, um, even in the midst of the pandemic. And I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot more that can be said, but I think one of the things that I want to want to hit on though, as far as like, you know, a celebration even in that is, man, like the Lord is building His church. Mm. You know, you think about Matthew 16, mm. like, like Jesus is building His church. And we are an example of that and many others that, you know, launched in the pandemic or planted in the pandemic. And it. I think it, it's a testament to show that nothing can stop the Lord's church. Mm. You know what I mean? Like nothing can stop the gospel. And so, you know, we're evidence of that, that the Lord raised up a new work, a new gospel work mm. in an area of great need, and he's sustained it. Mm.
1: I like that point that Josh was making a moment ago, uh, celebrating the Lord and the fact that the Lord is building his church and that he sees his own local plant, Congress Heights Community Church, as an example of Jesus keeping his promise to build his church. But that really raises an important question. It's a question about what kind of church? What kind of church is the lord establishing and of course there are many different kinds of churches churches are as different as the people that are in them but i do think it's important for us to think about the sort of aspirational models that are at work in our thinking when we are planting churches are we thinking that we're about to become the next big mega church or are we thinking about being a neighborhood or parish church? Um, getting clear on that model is really important. So uh, Josh and I picked that issue up a little bit here um, to sort of get clear in our own thinking about what we think God is doing and calling us to be in our local churches. As, as you've been getting established and Meeting together as a church, in some ways, coming out of the pandemic a bit, you know, uh, as things have relaxed a little bit, things of that sort. Um, and as you've been, more importantly, trying to figure out the, the ministries and the rhythm of Congress Heights Community Church's life, are there things from your previous experience that you've had to shed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah to we'll talk about it a bit?
0: Yeah, that's a good word, shed. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, shed. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, I think one thing that I'll say on that front is we started out kind of with a big church, maybe model, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stemming from coming from a big church or us coming from other, you know, churches that were bigger than, you know, our church. And I think for, for us, we had to shed that. Mm. And here recently, you know what I'm saying? Like really kind of coming back and being like, yo, like, we can't do all of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, we we're a small church, mm-hmm. you know, and and even you know, to taking a step back, just just really keeping it simple mm-hmm. and biblical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, you know, you think about you know Acts two, right? And so us really trying to to live into that, like you know, being devoted to the Word, mm-hmm. prayer, mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to doing life with one another, the simple, ordinary, but biblical things. Amen. And so that's what we're we're
1: striking for. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. There, there is a freedom in the simplicity. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a, a lightness that comes from the simplicity. Yeah. Whereas there's like complexity and um, heaviness that you're shouldering if you're trying, if you've got this sort of aspiration to be a big church, yeah. a mega church with like, you know, 50 kind of program offerings <laughs> kinds of things, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think that the sort of there are many blessings about being a big church, Definitely. being a mega church, and many sure, things sure. they can do that other churches can't do and praise God for them. Um, but sometimes I think they they cast a really long shadow mm. right over smaller works that are faithful works and they create some discouragement, you know, because uh-huh. of that. And particularly uh-huh. if people are coming to the work of a church plant with a consumer mentality. Mm. Right. I'm coming there to sort of purchase with my times and my Mm -hmm. offerings, you know, these kind of custom consumer experiences. Well, you know, church plants aren't geared to provide that and shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, And so I I wonder sometimes and I invite you to sort of comment on this. I wonder sometimes if the kind of small church in a big city neighborhood Mm -hmm. that you and I are, are planted and leading. I wonder sometimes if that's a fundamentally in some ways a different kind of Christianity. It's a mm. different view of the Christian life than what you find in perhaps a large commuter mega church in the suburbs thing. Is that is that fair? Is that unfair? How would you respond to that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair. And um, I think something to add to that, I agree with everything you just said, something to add to that, I think one of the challenges, even as a small church has been, um, I guess to convince other big churches mm-hmm. or either you know church planting organizations mm-hmm. um, that our small church is a church, <laughs> it's, a, it's yeah. a gospel preaching, Bible believing, on mission church, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think yeah, having to convince folks because maybe some mm-hmm. would see a work like ours as faithful as we're seek, seeking to be and striving to be. They would probably see that as a failure. Yeah. Because we didn't reach a particular number, mm-hmm. you know, that they would have expected for us. Yeah. And I think for me, the Lord has has had to really root me and our congregation in First Corinthians four, right? Mm-hmm. That's been, yeah, something the Lord has been ministering to us, right? Where Paul there is like, Man, success is really defined by faithfulness, you know, not, right. not fatness, if you will. And when I say fatness, I'm talking about busting out of the seams mm-hmm. every Sunday. More people, more programs. Those things are okay. Mm-hmm. Praise God that the Lord produces growth like that. But at the same time, you know that shouldn't. You know I'm saying negate, you know, other works that the Lord is doing yeah. in contexts like ours. Yeah,
1: you know. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a real sense in which I think much of the church world and the church planting world in particular is walking by sight and not by faith. Mm. Right, are despising the day of small beginnings, mm. um, and look at a work if they if they don't say it's a failure, they say it's insignificant. Right, whereas I want to say, uh, no gospel work can be insignificant. Amen. It, it can be small, <laughs> but uh, if it's gospel work, it cannot be insignificant. Amen. And I think we we give ourselves a better chance at advancing the gospel if we commit on some level, initially at least. To a, a healthier small church strategy. Mm. Right. Um, there they're not gonna be many mega churches like the ones that you've been a part of, I've been a part of things of that sort. But there can be lots of faithful um neighborhood parish model churches um that are making the gospel unavoidable mm. in neighborhoods that have been neglected. Amen. And that's its own success, and I think we should rejoice in that. Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. Yeah if if you're thinking about young guys like yourself who are making this transition from uh, predominantly white institutions into say a predominantly ethnic context, um, if you think about guys who are thinking of planting in the pandemic and let's pray the pandemic's over and this is a moot academic question, but <laughs> if it goes on another year or two years, let, let's pray the Lord would we'll still plant churches in yeah. those two years. If you think about guys who are planting a pandemic what one, two, or three things would you give them in the way of like specific counsel? Yeah, I would say one, um, trust the Lord. Mm-hmm.
0: Trust the Lord um, to do only what he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, he calls us to be faithful, mm-hmm. you know, to to preaching the gospel and trusting him with the results. Mm-hmm. And so trusting the Lord to bring about the growth and and growth, you know, spiritually, numerically, whatever the case may be, uh, in His perfect timing. Mm. Um, I think the other thing would be uh, be present, be Mm. proximate, you know, even though we've been in this pandemic, um, you know, and like other churches, um, you know, for us, we've been seeking to be proximate in our community, right? Um, Doing evangelism regularly, you know, we have a partnership with Blue High School in the area, seeking to massage that relationship, you know, um, and, you know, Yeah, for us, you know, we, yeah, we believe the gospel is the good news of Christ and that's the only message that saves, Mm -hmm. but we believe an implication of that good news is to do good works, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's that's who we're seeking to be. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, I I would say, yeah, preach the gospel um, and yeah, seek to meet needs Mm -hmm. in the community as an implication of that.
1: Amen, amen. Well, I appreciate you brother. Pray you're in the work. Thanks for dropping by. Having a chat. I hope you come talk to us again soon.
0: Yeah, man, oh, I man. really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, just grateful for the Creek Collective and Amen. our partnership in the gospel.
1: So Amen. Well, I'm glad, for you. All. Glad to have you be one of our churches, brother. Man. Josh has made a difficult transition from affluent, predominantly white church contexts where he received his early discipleship and ministry training to the opposite end of the ethnic and economic spectrum. A few of the assumptions of the predominantly white context actually hold true in vulnerable black and brown neighborhoods. So the work of rethinking those assumptions of chewing the fish and spitting out the bones is a slow, difficult work. Based on research and church planning, very few Hispanic and African-American planters receive specific training in serving black and brown neighborhoods. Is one of the ways the resource and training burden gets doubled for those serving in our communities you have to figure out all the regular challenges of pastoral ministry and simultaneously figure out the differences of context so this isn't for the faint-hearted or the casuals it's for the intentional and the spiritually stout but the lord is in it as josh said at the beginning of the interview. Jesus had the inner city, the barrio, the favela, the township in mind when he said go make disciples and we should too. And that's why the Creek Collective exists. So join us as we try to develop resources, materials and fellowship for those called to the overlooked and neglected places where black and brown people live. And if you're interested in thinking about this with us, uh, I want to invite you to our national gathering, the CREE Collective National Gathering. It's on October 4th through 6th here in Washington, D.C. We'll be meeting over at the Capitol Town Around, which is uh, a wonderful facility um, owned and operated by National Community Church. They've been wonderful uh, hosts to us, inviting us there. We're going to be thinking about um, Jesus's call to love your neighbor. And we're going to be thinking about how we take that seriously. So we'll think about what it means to love our immigrant and refugee neighbor, what it means to love our our women who are neighbors to us, what it means to love the the hurt, the mistreated, the abused um, what it means to love our communities and, and how we talk about them. We've got a fantastic lineup of people coming. Dr. Jessie Greiser is a, a linguist who thinks about belonging and place and race and how we talk about our neighborhoods. She's going to be helping us in that regard. So excited for her talk. Dr. Christina Edmondson, is going to be joining us as well. She's a uh, certified uh, trainer in uh, restorative justice, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. Does a lot of training in corporate America and universities and with churches in that regard. And she's gonna be helping us think about how we love those who've been harmed, who've been hurt and abused, and how we restore relationships. Uh, we're excited that uh, our own Nestor Gomez, pastor of Bluegrass Community Church, will help us think about loving our immigrants and refugee neighbors. And John Onwuchekwa, uh, John O is going to be with us, and he's going to be talking to us about loving those who are going through grief. He's done a lot of thinking about that. And in our neighborhoods where there's such profound levels of loss and trauma, um, we need to know how to walk with those in grief. And we need to, we need to know how to process our own grief. Uh, and it's just going to be a lots of fellowship, lots of time to retreat together. Bring your teams, um, bring members of your church. It's, it's open to everyone. Uh, and come join us October 4th through 6th for Love Thy Neighbor. Seriously. Uh, the National Gathering of the Creek Collective here in Washington, D.C. You can find out more at our website, thecreekcollective.org. You can register there. Uh, Registration is only $55, and uh, we'll be closing it uh, sometime around um, the third week in September, or so September 21st or so. Um, so please go ahead and register. Let us know you're coming so we can get your swag bags and all that together. Um, it's going to be a great time. So come on out as we think about following Jesus in this hard call to love our neighbors.